0: Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, David Morrison and I sit down and discuss, um, it's basically the fourth part of our Advent series, and we cover mostly Christmas and the story um, of Jesus, his birth, and uh, we spend a little bit of time on Jesus' early life, and at the end of the episode, um, we talk about Epiphany. So before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the uh, editing and sound engineering. Uh, Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. If you want to listen to more episodes, you can uh, tune in wherever you're listening to this one. Or you can also go to drcrpod.com and find all of our past episodes. Uh, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Word of mouth uh, and social media really helps us uh, get the word out there. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Mr. David Morrison.
1: Hola, chola. Uh
0: Happy November.
1: November, yes.
0: But... For this, Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) So we're we're
0: recording this, uh, for any of you that are lost, we're recording this the first week in November, and we're going to be releasing it the Tuesday before Christmas.
1: For your Christmas needs. Here comes Santa Claus. Your Christmas meditative needs. (laughs) For
0: your Christmas shopping, I mean meditative needs. Your Christmas consumption.
1: You can listen to this while you're stuck in traffic. (laughs)
0: Uh, or fist fighting someone at the Cielo
1: Vista Mall. Pounding someone for a doll.
0: (laughs) Uh, so all that to be said, uh, if you're following along, we've done the last three weeks, we did an Advent series. And, uh, today we are technically, so what the 21st, that would still be Advent, right? Yes. Okay, so we're still technically in advent when you're when we're releasing this uh leading up to the um 3 week season of Christmas. Right, which is usually just sometimes acknowledged. Just,
1: yeah, sometimes just 2 weeks, so Okay. Christmas sneaks up on you. It's kind of a strange thing because you're, you know, in the consumer world, the Christmas shape goes up like in July 5th, right? Right. In the yeah. stores, it's in your face. But liturgically, it's, it just comes and goes very quickly. Uh, and Yeah, you have to catch your breath.
0: And for, for the average person that's not following along with the liturgi- liturgical calendar, uh, Christmas is one day. Right. You know, it's like, boom, big celebration. Yeah. Maybe two days if you do the Christmas Eve thing um but well, that's Ca- not what yeah. we're about folks
1: the catholics pack it in too so there are like three different liturgies just for that one day
0: because they do a separate one for midnight mass right, right
1: exactly so there's the vigil there's christmas eve and then there's the yeah, the midnight and then there's mass in the morning and the mass during the day and an evening mass and it's just like so it's exhausting yeah. if you were to follow it but we're here for your quiet personal contemplation how can you make sense of christmas and
0: so, I like yeah. I like midnight mass.
1: Yeah, so, it has a nostalgia some, about yeah, it for and...
0: some reason. I I feel called to that. I've I don't think I've gone the last 2. Well, I definitely didn't go last year. I don't know if I went the year before or not. Maybe. Anyways, so to get into the sort of actual meat of the conversation, um I guess we could start at the idea of the nativity. And sort, yeah, of, sort that's... of the the importance of that, you know, God with us, um, or I don't know if you know you want to lead in telling the the Christmas story where they're looking for room in the inn and all that.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the emphasis on like the Greek Orthodox. They call it they don't call it Christmas. They call it Nativity. Mm. And here I was, I was uh, at the border, that. we call it natividad. and so and that's my doctor's name too. So
0: there you go. go He's a good doctor. <laughs>
1: And so, um, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's the, so Advent is this waiting period of darkness slowly giving way to light. And then you have the arrival fulfilled in, in and you would think, you know, the, the, the king would be here. It's kind of a joke in some ways, very ancient Jewish comedy in the sense, of, here's your king, and he's, uh, it's a baby yes. spitting up. He's in a barn. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it reminds me of some of the ancient Irish stuff where they would uh, crown a goat king for, for the week or whatever. That's amazing. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And and it's just kind of to make fun of, to speak truth to powers by by making fun of uh, the, the way of the world, the powers of the world, if you will. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 greatest figure in the ancient world was Alexander the Great from the greek empire right and he his title was son of god and so in the new Testament, and lord that kind of thing so when the the new testament scriptures speak of jesus as being lord and the son of god it's it's a it's kind of a wink at making fun of the great powers sort of
0: poking the powers in the eyes yeah from from afar so here's
1: the god of the universe so to speak and the word eternal, the word incarnate, and he's just a real authentic peasant baby mm-hmm. born uh in with no home, you know, and, and no hospital, obviously. And so it's it's kind of God's joke from the margins in that sense. And
0: and so all that all that stuff in the story as far as them because they they didn't they like leave town? <laughs> And that's oh, why they were yeah, looking yeah. for a place in the inn.
1: Yeah, the so cover all- story, and uh, is that there was a census, which historically that's probably not true. Right. Uh, the Roman Empire didn't take a dump without a plan, as they say, and you know that ma- it makes no sense. But they, for prophetic reasons, the New Testament had uh, uh, the need for Jesus to fulfill Jewish prophecy, mm, so okay. they needed to get him born in Bethlehem and that kind of thing, and. So that story is is the is the the main story. So yeah, they're traveling back to their hometown, Nazareth, and uh, and and so there's yeah. So Mary goes into labor at that point. Um, there's there's the conflict where she's you know found pregnant. She wasn't. They hadn't completed their marriage yet. You know, marriage came in stages, betrothal stages okay. in ancient Jewish culture. And she's found pregnant, so he's going to quietly divorce her. And then an angel comes to him in his sleep, Joseph, and says, take this child, and, you know, this is the son of God, so chill out, dude. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the kind of story. It's a rambling family, for sure.
0: Well, it's a, one, of, one of the – and I don't – this just popped in my mind, but in one of the art uh, museums I went to in London – I can remember this huge painting and it, I don't, it just, for whatever reason, it's, it stuck with me, but it's sort of Joseph asleep in this chair Ooh. and there, there's this just glowing, incredible painting of this angel. And it's, you know, it's a rubber, you know, a visual representation of that interaction.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it just, it was, it was really, I don't know why it was so awe inspiring to me at the, you know, there was probably thousands of artwork. And that three or four of them stuck out, and that was one of them. Sounds like a Rembrandt.
1: Yeah, it probably was, was it brown,
0: brown right, gold and golden yellow. Right, exactly. Yeah, it yeah.
1: sounds like a Rembrandt, yeah. <laughs> or one of those Dutch guys. <laughs> one of those. It definitely was Dutch. <laughs> one inspired. of those Dutch schmucks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was. It was definitely one of those uh, Dutch inspired masters
1: of brown and gold. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: uh, Okay, so you know, going to this, going to the actual um you know there's, there's a star above the um uh what's the word where where Jesus was born not a barn there's a different
1: yeah a stable a cave you know one of those kinds of so,
0: things so you know there was a a star leading the three the three men of hocus pocus the three kings
1: yeah and that's usually combined in christmas you know, in the popular culture, mm, you know, right. it's put in the nativity scenes and all that. Mm-hmm. But that's actually Epiphany. That's the next season over, and so, so yeah. So that's it's kind of of a different feast day, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a very profound thing as well. We can you want to get into that now or? Oh you,
0: you um, no, let's stick to it with the nativity. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's stick with the nativity um, side of it.
1: Yeah. So the night itself. So so the the Christ, the Anointed One, is born. Uh, animals are around. That's very significant. Uh, and then these rustic individuals, those, the shepherds come, they see, they see a, a gallery of angels mm. uh, above them, telling them to go, go check it out. That's very significant. Uh, so, so it's the outsiders. It's announced to the outsiders.
0: The shep- uh, That's what the shepherds. Yeah. Is.
1: Shepherds were, were uh, not trusted in the ancient world. They were, they're out there, you know, and, um the word pagan actually in Latin refer is is a reference to people that dwell in the rural countryside. And so they're you know they're they're rustic people, uh wild people almost.
0: Hillbillies in modern American Yeah,
1: they're jumping into rivers and and, and wading in the weeds and catching catfish with their arms and that kind of thing. <laughs> they're noodling. And so yeah, these are so these are wild Kind of wild people, and, right. and and that that really speaks to me. It speaks very profoundly of the wildness of God, mm. uh, the rawness of God. I, I think it was uh, John O'Donohue who said he th- he felt that uh, young, you know, he was speaking in an Irish context, and you know, in the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, and he and he said that he thought the reason why so many young people were disconnected from church life was because the church has sanitized and made God safe mm. instead of, okay. and they, and they've trapped the wildness or as he would say it, the wildness of the deity. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, I think that's what nativity points to is this wildness in the heart of God. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's, it's significant in the sense that it's, it's two average people. Yeah, right?
1: two peasants. Yeah,
0: that are giving birth to to this uh, incarnation of God. Yeah, it's in a stable, right? And the first people outside of that trio to witness it are the wild people or the shepherds.
1: Yeah, the, the forgotten people. Yeah, the 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 ones relegated to the kids' table of history. And again, you see this pattern over and over again. In the uh in the, in the Christian scriptures uh I think it's a I think it's a main theme in Judaism as well mm. there are verses I believe in Deuteronomy where God tells Moses uh, and and to tells the people of Israel I didn't choose you to be my children to be my own chosen because you were powerful because you were rich because you were even good looking uh <laughs> you know, so something like that uh, I picture Mel Brooks as playing God on that and uh and and i chose you because i chose you basically and so so yeah it's kind of a theme throughout the entire scriptures um if you want to identify with god you have to identify as the poor Mm. not not a not someone who has a heart for the poor where i'm rich and i'm powerful and i'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna scrape up some money and send a, a you know, establish a care, mission in a bad neighborhood. Send a care we,
0: package. Yeah, but we farm. don't have to
1: go. And we're not in touch with our own interior poverty either. So I, I think that's what this is striking at. You know, the the things of God are born and set up in the impoverished, marginalized places of our lives.
0: So that's an interesting uh, thing to look at. I mean at the at the top of the show we were joking about the consumerism of of Christmas, right? Yeah. And so what what's I guess how have you either with your within your own relationship with Christmas or maybe you know discussing it with other people, how how do you sort of square that of the meaning of the the holiday? Yeah. Right, like people are always joking, don't take Christ out of Christmas right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But but so sort of that, but in the more like we're looking at this is, you know, these are the marginalized, the poor, yeah,
1: uh,
0: the forgotten, the downtrodden. Uh and now it's the opposite, right? Spend money, yeah, buy yeah. presents, and so how sort of what within grappling with that that dichotomy, right? Like that dualism where, you know, we're.
1: Yeah, I, I sneer and have derision towards both extremes. Mm-hmm. So on the one extreme, yeah, those that, that are trying to fight a, for lack of a better word, a bullshit culture war, thinking that <laughs> right, right, their, right. their Christ is being uh, kidnapped or being uh, disrespect. No, oh, you wow. you're the ones that disrespect Christ. So, yeah. Uh, so I can't stand that end of it, and I and then the epitome of the consumerism are the car commercials, the mm-hmm, Lexus Buick commercials, with and Crisp, the with that bow ribbon. on there, I everything in me just oh, I <laughs> and in fact I say it out out loud to Marshall when we're watching. I say I hate these people, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and it's not real anyway. Both are just absolute facades, and so you know, and I and I grew up just the same as anyone else. So I, I I think. With Christmas, uh, we're dealing with a lot of nostalgia, mm-hmm. and 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 nostalgia is fine. I, I like '80s music because I grew up right. I- as a teenager in the '80s, and I love the '90s music even more because I had more freedom in my 20s. <laughs> and so, but it's just nostalgia, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you when you but it's very easy to substitute nostalgia for actual living faith. And Mm. and, and it's very easy to do that. Um, And then it just kind of, the meaning kind of drains out as a result. And so that's a bigger issue in my mind than the consumerism. And I mean, that could also be a problem, uh, especially for those of, uh, of us, most, the majority of us who the commercials will tell you you don't add up, yeah, and that you're not enough, and you can't right. provide this for your kids, uh, if you're not providing this kind of Christmas, if you're not going to Disney World on Christmas Day, you know what kind of a father are you? Uh, you know you got to shut that out because those voices are false and they're demeaning towards you, and you're just a product uh, to them. and so, um,
0: so you actually think that the nostalgia part, though, is yeah. Is more corrosive.
1: It can be, or or it could just make you stuck. Uh, I, I, I've probably said this before. Like uh, Rich Mullins uh, said, your you know your vices are dangerous. Uh, of course, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: towards you know they're they're dangerous for you and they're dangerous for those around you. But your virtues are also just as dangerous as your vices. And so, so a, a living faith that's been substituted with nostalgia, uh, devolves into, uh, eventually something to be protected, something to be defended, uh, and something, uh, to be, uh, to harm others over. And so you see that a lot of uh, American Christianity today, it's a very defensive, it's, uh, posture. It's a very, uh possessive we're the only owners of jesus you know uh for example i saw uh on christianity today it's an evangelical magazine uh they posted a couple of days ago posted a uh, an article should christians participate in day of the dead mm. well that's a loaded i didn't even click on the article because it's loaded right, right, already right. and and so so in that case i'm kind of rambling but uh we can bring it right back um Christians have participated in Day of the Dead for centuries one and they continue to do so and three they don't need evangelicals uh, permission to do it Yeah, anything. they don't need a website yeah, to give them
0: the green light exactly this yeah. one
1: sliver of, of a defensive kind of faith and that has all the answers you know and so uh it, that's what I mean by nostalgia and yeah and, and it pits generations against each other and when I was a kid we didn't maybe see at Christmas, you know, and -hmm. and that pits, you know, the boomer millennial war that we see, you know, and they don't even notice us Xers existing between them. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) thanks for noticing. (laughs) So it just pits people against each other, classes against each other, that kind of thing.
0: Well, it's funny when you were just talking about, um, or, you know, us talking about this idea of like consumerism and nostalgia and um being able, you know, to like provide a specific kind of Christmas. Um, this, I mean, this is gonna sound kind of silly, but it reminded me of Kanye West lyric. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven when I awoke. I spent that on a necklace. I told God I'd be back in a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, like this idea of like having enough money to quote unquote, by your way yeah. into heaven, but then be like, well, I'm going to get some of this earthly stuff instead yeah. and, uh, and sort of put God on the back burner. Right. And that, that makes me think of this like Christmas theme where it's like being able to, um, identify with like, God is on earth, right? Like God yeah. is showing up on earth. And we're like, well, I got to go buy this Lexus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to go buy this, this doll for the kid or provide the Christmas that's on TV, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and not the, wrestle with those tough You
1: Right, exactly. And, and the cult of the family, don't forget that. There's kind of a cult around American family life. Hmm. This idealized vision of, of what a family should look like and do. And, and that, that could become fairly toxic as well you know
0: yeah my it's funny because me it was actually we were talking about it in the uh scope of um halloween me and my mom (sighs) were talking about and and how from her perspective all we had to have the like the right halloween costume and dressed up and look you know what i mean so that it reflected that she was a quote-unquote good mom exactly you know what i mean and luckily she's like wrestled with some of this stuff so that her and i can talk about it you know what i mean and like she can be vulnerable about the some of the crazy ass shit that she did when we were growing up you know and and because
1: of yeah those expectations
0: yeah exactly and so and that was
1: pre-social media
0: Yeah, I couldn't imagine. If my mom, if if we were kids and my mom now so she could get, because she wanted to get the pictures anyways, right? But to like have the Facebook and Instagram culture connected with that too, I couldn't even imagine. And uh, and you're listening, mom, I know. So I love you. But, you (laughs) know, we're just being honest about it. And uh, so it's, yeah, going back to what you're saying is like the cult of the family, right? Yeah. Not only does that have to be perfect, but then you also have to capture it to put it on Facebook or Instagram.
1: Now, yeah, exactly to show it to have this image and and you know and and in uh, at least my experience of the Catholic Church and the evangelical world as well, the cult of the family is very much alive Mm. and well. There's this, you know, as if that is your spirituality. Uh, it, it is definitely communicated, particularly on Mother's Day in the in the Protestant churches. Catholics probably have adopted it too. I would I would guess, but Mother's Day is a very can be a very toxic day for many women mm. uh, at church. And church should be the place where they should be able to be Feel sheltered safe, yeah. from that, but they're not. You know, so all the so so it's very popular. All the the mothers stand up and they give them you know a rose or whatever, and which is fine. You know the, the argument against it would be, oh, so you're against giving roses to moms, huh? Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah, I'm not you, against it, that.
0: Yeah. If you try to <laughs> criticize it, it's like, oh, what? You don't want to give flowers to moms? <laughs> yeah. Look at that? you,
1: Mr. Grinch. Uh, <laughs> so, that's so not the point. Mother's Day, Grinch. Uh, no, but it's a, uh, it's 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 a, uh, a communication that you're only valuable because you brought someone into this world. Mm. Um, that kind of thing, that, you know, and so. So, you know, and, and it's ironic that the nativity, God being born into a family, is the opposite message. And so, it's, but, it, you know, as many things in the gospel are.
0: Wait, say that again?
1: So, so you have the cult of the family around Christmas right, and right, right, all right. that. Uh, but it's ironic that here's God being born into a human family. Mm. And it's the opposite message. Uh, you know, the when you see the way that he lived, Jesus lived. Uh even in his own time, it was scandalous for a thirty-something-year-old young Jewish man to not get married and have a family, and, um, and you know, and and the way that the four Gospels go out of their way to show you how disrespectful he appears to his mother, uh, and and you know that kind of thing. So I see what you're, yeah, yeah, because they ask him, you know, blessed now. is your mom, uh, brought you into this world, and he and he yells back at him. No, blessed are those who do the will of God. Mm. You know, so he kind of, he's he's not flips the poster it, boy for family values, is what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, right. Um,
0: and to so to steer sort of back to the nativity, um, we talked about the shepherds being this symbol of um of the wild person and, and yeah, you know, and 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 the poor person. But uh, one of the things we talked about beforehand too, or not, yeah, before the podcast was. Uh, sort of there's some, um, a symbol, a symbol of nature. Could you
1: S- say that again? What, uh, the
0: shepherds um,
1: oh, sort symbol- of symbolizing the importance of oh, okay, nature. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that's a very important yeah. theme to bring out this day and age with ecological matters, you know, and uh, um, so first, yeah. So there's a, here's a $5 word. And again, I'm not a theologian, uh, nor do I play one on television, nor was my father a theologian, nor do I aspire to be a theologian, but that qualified there is a fancy five dollar word called recapitulation uh which is it's it's a looking back and a looking forward and so here's so you so it recapitulates to the original creation story. here's this first uh human Adam. And He just kind of appears amongst the animals, mm. and so you know. And in, in the creation story, he names them.
0: He, right, right.
1: And then and then he falls asleep because uh, it's not good. He's in paradise, but it's not good because he's alone. <laughs> and so the creator pulls from his side uh, a bride, uh, a counterpart, a uh, female, and and Eve. And so that's right. so so the nativity of of Christ is a recapitulation of that. So he's surrounded by animals. Um, And you might ask, well, where does, you know, well, at the cross, his side opens up and blood and water flow out. And his bride, the church, is born from that. I see. So, uh, which is redeemed creation, you know. So there's a lot going on in the story. Right. Uh, And and so, and it also goes back really to St. Francis of Assisi, believe it or not, who uh, allegedly came up with the first nativity scene? He, he had a flair for the, the for theatrics. Or, yeah. as, uh, <laughs> if you've ever read anything about Francis, he that's, he would have, yeah.
0: That's an understatement. He would
1: have been an Elton John uh, figure uh, in the modern era. You know, uh, very very uh, in your face, flamboyant, and I think, charismatic, and fantastic.
0: I, I think know. we just created our first viral moment.
1: Elton John as comparing Saint, as, <laughs> uh, comparing Saint Francis, Francis of yeah. To Elton John, Elton John might be a little tall, too tall for Frankie <laughs> to play, him. right? <laughs> Maybe Kevin Hart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there, they would be appropriate. Kevin, heights.
0: Kevin Hart as as Francis,
1: <laughs>
0: inspired by uh, having a, a sprinkle of Elton John. Kevin Hart
1: wow. in a gold suit, though. You know, he has to have a little flair to him. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So apparently, I forget the. Uh, The cathedral, but it was a Christmas Eve, and he literally dragged in a menagerie of large animals into this cathedral. So So it
0: wasn't a symbolic It was a prophetic
1: act, is what it is. Then it becomes art (laughs) and then it becomes nostalgia. Uh you know, nostalgia. And so that's how these things work. Right, right, right. So he clearly did that as a prophetic act. Uh because the gospel his point was the gospel is for all creatures. The good news is for every living creature including rocks, you know, it's, mm. it's for the, everything that is. And so that was one of his, the prophetic message. The second was, uh, wait, are
0: you saying Francis was a universalist? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Bite uh, your tongue. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, anyway,
0: so, so, so
1: he literally dragged in camels right. and, uh, donkeys and, uh, you know, or as Larry David would say in, in Queens, New York, donkeys, something like that. Um, yeah, and and it's a, and it was a, you know, you can imagine how disruptive that would have been, because here he was a wild man, this Francis. I couldn't you know, he was imagine. He's itinerant. He's homeless. You bring in these animals into and, yeah, a midnight mass. He's got he's got grow. diseases clinging to him because he would literally change clothes with diseased people. He would kiss them, mm. and the, and their diseases would come right. onto him. And right. and so so this crazy ass wild man. Uh, probably the greatest saint of Western civilization uh drags in this menagerie of large animals into a cathedral on Christmas Eve, um to to show forth that the gospel is the is the message of incarnation. Mm. And and again, it goes back to the Celtic, the Irish, the Welsh, the Scottish gospel, uh in earlier centuries that uh God's because of the Paschal mystery, the, 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 because of the, uh, the birth, the life, the suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus, all creation and, and the coming of the spirit, the, the, the arrival of the spirit at Pentecost, all creation is a, bathed, uh, a glowing with the presence and shimmering of God's goodness and life, um, and so that's that so, so Francis, when he went into his darker years right before his his calling, uh he got trained at a Celtic uh monastery right. in Bobio, Italy. So so Franciscanism basically adopted that Celtic message of incarnation. And and I think we've mentioned it here, the, the Franciscans later debated uh uh, I don't remember who it was. It was yeah, probably Yeah, we did we
0: did talk yeah, about that. Yeah. And they yeah. lost
1: the debate intellectually, which would make sense Franciscans you know, one of their symbols is a is a is a human heart with a sword through it. <laughs> so they're saying, you know, stop thinking so much is what they're saying. It's not an intellectual gospel. It's a feeling gospel. Mm. It's an experienced gospel. So so that's so that's what we so that's the message of the nativity is that is that uh all creation is is being redeemed, and that's happening now. Mm. And Franciscans would say uh, salvation started there at the at the incarnation at the birth. Okay, and that's you know Richard Rohr talks a lot about that as well. Who's and he's a Franciscan priest, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: he's not radical. He's not a this radical theologian. Richard Rohr. Uh, no, he's a Franciscan. Just and he's a great communicator.
0: And he yeah he grew up Catholic. Yeah. Joined the joined the uh order at a very young age. Yep. So he's 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 a pretty conservative fellow.
1: By most, yeah. By most people that are listening to this, probably <laughs> right, yeah, I yeah, would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't exactly. know. I don't know who our audience really is. Y'all will never reach out to us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um he just had he has a very Franciscan way of looking at the gospel. Exactly. Which, you know, which kind of People in the in the Catholic Church kind of turn their nose up at him sometimes when you
1: when the more you conservative branch, right, right, yeah. Right. The Catholic Church is a big umbrella. That's true. That so is true. Depends on who where you're at. And yeah,
0: because I guess there's some of them on the more and the, within the church on the very liberal side.
1: Oh yeah, would yeah. Would turn
0: their nose up at him that he's too conservative.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Matthew Fox would like to have a word. Ah.
0: So. Uh, so some of the other themes that we we sort of touched on when you and I were doing a little bit of show prep, surprise, surprise. Um, one of the things you you touched on was the blessing in the temple and this the okay, sort of the, yeah, the yeah. night theme. So I don't do you want to go there next or because we so the uh. three so sort of the three things we have is that one the Holy family entering a dangerous world and then the looking towards epiphany. So I don't know which way you want to shift to from.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Christmas story in the liturgy and in the, in the actual gospels takes a very dark turn yeah, compared extremely. to the nostalgic Christmas that you see in popular culture. And so, uh, yeah. And it's part of the epiphany. So it bleeds in, you know, like it's Advent, Christmas and Epiphany are three uh, seasons that are very, you know, they're connected, seasons of light. And so so two years into it, according to the Matthew's Gospel, so so these Gentile uh, prognosticators, if you will, come following the star from the east, um, and they see the child, and they give them gifts, and then they go home, but before they go home they they have court with Herod the great
0: who was the king at the time the right? king in yeah
1: at, at that time in that region, and all the religious figures and and they and they say, yeah, we just found the the messiah and so they're so it says all the, the it caused a great disruption and confusion mm. to the powerful so again mary's right. Mary's theme in the magnificat right the powerful's days are ending uh
0: and we we go into that if you haven't listened to the Advent series the la- last week's episode. We we explored that theme in great detail.
1: Yeah. And so so he orders, you know, Herod orders uh all the male children, I believe, under two to be murdered. Uh that's that's pretty that's, intense, right? That's wild, you know? man. <laughs> Gather around the Christmas tree, boys and girls. We're gonna talk about the murder of children. Can you say infanticide, kids? And so, uh, yeah, so it takes a very dark turn. They become refugees, uh, and they flee to Egypt. And uh, and there are prophetic things in that as well. They're trying to connect. The early Gospels are trying to connect Jesus to Moses when Moses was uh, born.
0: The Pharaoh had
1: the children killed, um, that kind of thing. And that's why he flees to Egypt, you know and And so, for us today, though again it's he's the migrant's God, he is the God mm. of refugees, he's the God of those who have no home um that is where the heart of God really dwells, and to lose that, you lose the gospel
0: and so the and this is a side note for sure, but I once heard i don't know it might be total nonsense, but the gifts that the the three kings gave him, so the frankincense, the myrrh, and the, was it gold. gold, Yeah, were actually practical gifts in the sense that they could make it, I guess those were valuable things 2,000 years yeah, ago. They yeah. could make it to Egypt by either trading or selling those, those right. things. They could make it abroad safely, so to speak. Is there any merit to that, or is that just?
1: I mean, if it's a literal story, yes. Yeah. Uh, symbolically, at the symbolic level, you have to read the scriptures at Different you know literary levels uh, allegorical prophetic that kind of thing uh they're they're the traditional gifts of king to two kings okay, uh, and that kind of thing and there's some references in the psalms about the 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 kings of Tarshish you know the the gentile the uh bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh that okay. kind of thing and but they're costly things right right, right. myrrh today still is a very you know it's it's the it's for incense and it's yeah. uh it's not easily you know harvested mm. you know that kind of thing, so
0: interesting so anyway so yeah so so they flee to Egypt within this story and are uh is that, I don't guess they're exiled in the sense that they've chosen to leave so that Jesus isn't part of this infanticide right um and then so is that the part of them stepping into this dangerous world navigating this Yeah, exactly.
1: World? This is a uh, this is God in total vulnerability. You know, even at the beginning of of his life, you know. And then, of course, ending on the cross, mm-hmm. total vulnerability and then in the resurrection, uh hiddenness, the hiddenness of God, you know. Because uh-huh. the resurrection wasn't, you know, the revel- the, the resurrection was not televised. Uh, it was not uh
0: yeah the the first half of it was
1: televised
0: the, Yeah, the actual
1: crucifixion <laughs> a few scared people witnessed him and they were even more scared and that's kind of the the beginning of the church
0: yeah that sounds like a a spiritual experience yeah was led preempted by fear um and, and so uh, yeah this this idea of a dangerous world and god navigating a dangerous world and you know that kind of that kind of Brings to mind the here and now, right? Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, yeah. Our brothers and sisters in Central America, um, you know, our the brothers and sisters we've gotten to know from Cameroon, yeah, and the the civil war that's going on there. And so, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but just the the continued this continued theme of God being in those places is not lost in 2021. Exactly.
1: In fact, it's even more relevant today, right? So again, if we want to be identified with Jesus Christ, we must be identified with the the refugee. We must be identified with the migrant in in some way uh, for them, with them, um, supportive of them. In so, of, in some way, and you know, and how you do that is is your spiritual journey. That's how you you discern that. You know, um,
0: yeah, because it's it's not a one size fits. I I know we've touched on that. This idea of one size fits all spirituality, it doesn't exist.
1: Right. So, you know, so so if you're a parent and you you have five kids and you're just dealing with that all the time, uh, how does that look for you? You know, it's going to look different from. Then for say you, uh, you know, single, yeah. single man in his thirties, and so, but it, you know, you can't dismiss it just because I can't make a big difference. Therefore, I won't make any difference. No, uh, you mm. made it. So you know, so ask the question: What small difference can I make? You know. Yeah. So, what
0: What difference can I make in the next twenty four hours? Yeah.
1: Exactly. You know. So. So it's yeah. So it's so it's the god of of the marginalized again. You see that theme. Um, he comes as the marginalized, and still does today, um, as the refugee, as the 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 wayfaring stranger. You know. So.
0: And going from there, so I guess circling back to the the question I asked a little while ago, but so eventually he makes his back his way back. To he leaves yeah. he leaves Egypt, right? And and comes back. And and so maybe we can step into that next.
1: Yeah, the gospels themselves, the four gospels are very uh vague about that point. So the next time you see him, he's 12. Uh this is they go back to the temple and he disappears for three days again. Prophetic, it's prophetic foreshadowing is what right. it is. He's gone for three days. And then they find him in the temple uh, asking questions to the, to the teachers and leaders, and they all are astonished at him. And then before that, when he was circumcised on the eighth day, uh, there's this uh, prophet named Simeon and a prophetess named Anna who also prophesy over him. And, and it's the same. It's very much like the Magnificat of Mary. Okay. Uh, this child will be a sign of contradiction to the powerful. Uh, and that that sort of thing, you know. But redemption will come out of the conflict. Um, and so, yeah, very profound stuff. But then after that, you don't see see much. Uh, popular so, podcasts will tell you you went off to India and
0: oh, yeah. you know and yada yada some, yada. Uh, some uh, some special cult in the uh, uh, which the English Isles.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so what what is the significance of that? maybe to elaborate a little bit more of him in in the temple um rapping with the with the other rabbis so to speak yeah and and sort of what you know what that means what you know what we can sort of glean from yeah. that in in our spirituality today
1: it's it's actually a very radical statement on the part of the gospels because uh the one asking questions in Jewish culture is the rabbi. See, we, we, mm. in, in Western, in Western civilization, uh, in American culture, the professor is the one that has answers. They they right. give you these constant answers, but in but the Jewish rabbi is someone that asks questions. Okay, and the and the the quality of questions make you know are the it's the quality of the rabbi, right? Mm. And anything and everything is up for. And that's discussing.
0: a long-standing a long tradition within Judaism. Yeah,
1: so so it goes out of its way to say this twelve-year-old was already asking the questions mm. uh, at the you know at, at a very early age, and then you see it later in the in the Gospels, uh, pretty much all four of them, but particularly Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount. He'll say, "You've heard it said," you know, you'll, you'll mm. hear that, right? "You've heard it said, but I say that's a radical statement. That's very offensive, in fact." Because there are stories in uh Jewish tradition of you know a, a circle of rabbis and one would say, uh uh, you know, Rabbi so-and-so told me this, and then he and he gives his opinion, and they're all oh, okay. The next guy, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this, and they're all, oh, okay, okay. right. right. And the third schmuck says, Well, I say and I think, and they <laughs> pick him up by the clothes and they throw him out, that kind of thing. Because the point is you have to have a lineage you have to have a uh, a succession of thought succession of teachers
0: well even in buddhism this idea of lineage is super important yeah exactly
1: yeah. um and so here's jesus saying there's no one that told me this i say this mm-hmm. so so he's almost saying
0: once again it's a poke in the eye yeah power.
1: yeah and he's saying i am the the living torah i am the torah when you see the way that he quotes uh The scriptures talk about, you know, there's when we were Catholics, you know, we would uh, make fun of these people called cafeteria Catholics, uh, as if they eat jello all day long. Only, you know, Uh, it's ridiculous because all of us are cafeteria
0: Christians, you know, right?
1: Uh, And so, uh, just some of us are more honest about it.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, some of some of us don't even know we're cafeteria christians right
1: (laughs) well that's what i'm saying yeah the ones the ones that call others cafeteria christians are usually the most uh but anyway uh yeah so it's it's a it's a radical statement and how he uses scripture he conveniently leaves off verses out of context when he quotes things uh uh when he when he quotes isaiah to uh john the baptist disciples uh he tells them, you know, look, the, the, the eyes of the blind are being opened. The the lame are walking. And he leaves out the next verse, which is the captives will be set free. And John is literally is in prison. Yeah. And he conveniently doesn't tell them that, yeah. You're, in other words, you're not getting out. I can't bail you out. Sorry, bro.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had a good run together.
1: Yeah. And notice Jesus didn't uh, uh, offend Philip because John the Baptist went to prison for saying, that it wasn't lawful for him to have the wife that he had, but Jesus was silent on the issue. <laughs> so, right. Anyway, I always thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> that is two thousand years later. Right, you know, that's exactly the way cousins would react
0: to each other. So, sort of staying in this idea of asking the questions, because I think for me that's been an important part of my spirituality or my uh, spiritual evolution, or you know however you want to categorize yeah. it, right sounds very pretentious to put it that way, but this idea of not knowing, yeah, you know, and so asking the question or trying to find the next question to ask of like, okay, what I think my spirituality is this, but you know, and, and, uh, we talk about, uh, I know, I mean, in Christianity it's talked about, but one of the lines, uh, in the recovery world is when talking about, uh, could and would, if God were sought. So this idea of continuous seeking Mm -hmm. of, of a higher power. Yeah. And so I get, I guess for, I'm just curious about your own personal uh, experience with that, with asking the next question or, or looking for the next better question and just some of the, some of the things that you've, you've explored over your life to, you know, where you're at today, how, what do you, what helps you find that next question that's, that's worthy of asking.
1: Uh, Usually it's wherever the point of my annoyances are
0: Mm. and
1: what's bothering me, what's making me angry. Um, Because usually when I'm angry at something, uh, it's really... a. So if I pause and do the work that I need to do, the spiritual work, uh, the point of my anger, I'm really not angry at that specific situation. Yes, it's annoying, but my level of inward anger is, yeah, that's a lot higher than... (laughs)
0: <laughs> in the or actual just, just an annoyance
1: yeah so yeah. look at that a little deeper and then you'll notice at least i do uh it's really about i'm not in control mm. that's what this really it's a sign that i don't have much control over something you know over much uh and so it's a so that's an invitation to enter into your finiteness to enter into my own vulnerability uh, my own fragility and that that kind of thing, and so
0: sort of continuing to go to the mirror of powerlessness, so Exactly. To speak, yeah. Usually. That.
1: Yeah. Usually, that's what that's those are the issues. Other times, it's uh, I wish I could do something. I wish I could do this or that. Uh, you know, in, in service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I wish I could do this service or that service, uh, but my physical life, it, you know, is mm. not there, and so. So I have to ask the next question: What what is the work for me now? Then, mm. um, good way to put that is like my dad has has been a, a lifelong athlete, and he records, he competes with himself, uh, he, and keeps statistics on himself
0: that's for amazing. decade
1: after that's, decade.
0: That's so great. And
1: uh, never had a team. Never, I mean, he, he played on teams, right? If you ask him who's your favorite team, he'll say the El Paso Gallos, which was his baseball team. He's not going to – so I'll say – I'll try That's to talk amazing. Dodgers with him. He right. doesn't care. Uh, and so um, and so as, as he's grown older, he's in his 80s now, uh, he has to set the bar lower for himself mm-hmm. rather than giving up altogether, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've talked about my friend Jeff. Um, Who's a uh, a chaplain, a hospital chaplain? I met him when he was a prison chaplain. He's, right, he's in Seattle now. Yo, Jeff. Uh, What's up, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff and Diane, his wife Diane. So he's he's a Tibetan Buddhist, and she's a uh, his wife is a uh, uh, Jewish cantor.
0: Really? Yeah. I didn't so, know
1: that. So their marriage is a is a stand up joke, right? You know? <laughs> right? A Buddhist and a and a Jewish cantor walked into right. a bar, and anyway. Um, and, and he and he had uh he was he was uh born with a uh with brittle bone disease and so every every exertion that would be normal for a, a kid meant a broken bone for him wow and you know and he and he still he loves sports mm-hmm. he loves athletics and that kind of thing um and so there he he told me about a time when he was a kid where all he the the most athletic and the most motion he could do at that point was throw a ball against the couch and let it bounce back mm-hmm. on the floor and catch it back and forth. Right, and that's what he gave himself to, and that's why he's a Buddhist today. Right, really, because <laughs> he did that as a kid. You know, uh, that's pretty profound. For sure. And so, so I think we have to do that spiritually. You know, when I look at my own limitations, and and because uh, what you'll when you're at that crossroads, what you'll do is you'll say, well, I can't make a difference, so therefore.
0: Just don't gonna, do anything. Yeah, anymore. I'm not going
1: to do anything. No, what small thing can I do? How can I break it to a smaller thing?
0: I I know for me this um maybe not so much now, but a few years ago it felt like the limitation was time, right? Like yeah, you could do all this stuff, but it's like there's only certain number exactly of hours in the day, and it's like okay, well instead of you know like you're saying not not doing anything, it's like okay, well I've I have an hour today. Yeah, I have 30 minutes today. What, you know, what can I contribute to whatever this cause is that, that has, uh, caught my attention, you know, and, and that's ebbed and flow for me, yeah. you know, so the things that I was passionate and excited about, uh, 10 years ago are, are still important, but the, I'm not as excited and passionate and involved as I was 10 yeah. years ago. And, and that's the other thing, like there's only so many causes I can give myself to,
1: Exactly. you know, and even you know, even don't underestimate the power of one small prayer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, before the days of social media, there was a a murder in Chicago. This young man had was a bank teller, and he was murdered in cold blood. And and uh, for some reason, that there are lots of stories like that of in course. the news. But that one really it caught you. Caught me, and I was so I wrote a prayer for him by name, and I posted it okay. on our website. Again, there was no social media at the time. And uh, I guess months later, maybe, I don't really remember, uh, someone uh, commented on that prayer, and it was the young man's father. And he said, thank you for praying for my son and my family. And so, so small things, you know. Mm. Um,
0: Yeah, and especially because proximity-wise, there would be no reason you'd ever cross paths with that person.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm not, you know, I'm not the radical preacher that right. Paul Simon wrote about like, I'm not I'm not Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton I can't go down there and, yeah, you don't get and rally thousands of people <laughs> I I can't do that uh, but I could write a prayer and I can cry with his family and uh, and post it in, in the you know in the sea of the internets uh, well, now with social media I don't know I don't know how that would work out maybe it's more maybe it's a larger
0: yeah.
1: uh, reach I don't know
0: well and it but the, so this idea of like a cosmic reach, right? Like I was just yeah. having this conversation with someone yesterday like there's nothing more important and this is my humble opinion other people might have better better insight but there's nothing more important than a heartfelt prayer. Just screaming yeah. Yeah. screaming to the edge of the universe, right? And just or just allowing that sadness to really yeah. sink in and And that sadness you're feeling in your heart when, you know, for the, for whatever reason, this story brought that sadness into your heart. Right. And that's, that's the um, connect connectedness that that's all the connectedness you needed with that family to write this prayer. Right. Yeah. And put it into the cosmos, Um, whether it was on the internet or not. Right. Like you happened to put it on the internet the dad came across it, but it would have been just as effective had you written this prayer and just, it was just for your eyes for whatever reason.
1: Or or even if you're a praying type of person, a traditional prayer, you know, where you actually, where you literally say, oh, my father and my God, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of prayer. Uh, When you pray for your own family, add the phrase, the prayer I pray here is not just for my family, but for every family Mm -hmm. in the world. Just add that phrase. Um, I was always in the habit when my, daughter was a a younger, you know, a a toddler and and younger. Uh, I'd see something on the news, you know, a a murder of a child, Mm. abuse of a child that would just really upset me. I would go in and hug my own daughter. And in hugging my daughter, I was uh, hugging that child that had been murdered uh, at the same moment because my daughter is that daughter that was murdered. Uh, I've done that with, with pets, with my dog. I'd see a story about a dog that was, you know, uh, abused and, and killed. And then I would just go grab my dog and, and in hugging my dog, that is the dog that was abused as well. And that's, I'm hugging every dog. If that makes any sense.
0: Well, and I actually had, this is going to sound super, but I had that experience this week when we, you know, we had an event here and and oh, you, yeah. you brought up the name of your your pup Padfoot and
1: old Padfoot McGiddy. Yeah. And
0: I went after <laughs> after that thing I went in and purposely went and, you know, gave my scratched the ears of my pup because yeah. someday that's gonna be me.
1: Or right. Rem- you know,
0: remembering Fleetwood when, when he's no longer on this yeah. plane and so um those things are important, right?
1: Yeah, those dogs don't get enough time, do they?
0: No. <laughs> um so uh, it came up at the beginning of the conversation, but sort of this uh, looking forward to Epiphany, looking in that direction. Yeah. And, and um, maybe if you could just give us some insight with that uh, as, as we, we come towards the hour, um, but just sort of the significance of that and this this thing called Christmas, this celebration of, of Advent, Christmas, and rolling into Epiphany.
1: Yeah, so Epiphany is, you know, the King's Day. Uh, You know, there are a lot of traditions here on the border for that. You know, Mm -hmm. you bake bread and you put a little... Little
0: baby in it. uh, Yeah, a little
1: baby inside of it and that kind of stuff. And uh, There's the Posada uh, tradition, too, here, uh, where a a throng of people will go door-to-door in the neighborhood asking uh, for entrance of the Christ child and... And the first five to seven, depending on how many are participating, say no, you can't come in. And then the last one opens the door, and mm. then they have a party. And so there's all kinds of traditions like that. Um, uh, so Epiphany, yeah, is is the is the day of Epiphany. That feast day is the celebration of of all the the outsiders. Again, the kings of the earth, they're the outsiders. They're not the powerful. They're the they're called kings, but they're not. Uh, they represent it. Uh, all the non-Jewish, the Gentile world, mm. the outs, the ones who are not in the covenant of God.
0: Once again, the fringes. Uh,
1: exactly, being invited in, and and it's and in in the Jewish sense, it's it's the uh, it's it's the prophetic scripture saying you're the chosen people, so that you can communicate the chosenness of the human race. Mm, I see uh, And so. That, so that's kind of what what's going on there. and and so the epiphany means revelation or the coming of turning on the light bulb, the epiphany, the Eureka moment, uh, when you realize this is this is God in ultimate vulnerability. Um, I like to see it as a whole liturgical season mm-hmm. And so because those readings tend to focus on the early revelations of Jesus as being, more than than what he appears to be okay so another story would be the the uh um the feast that the wedding feast at cana where right. he turns the water into wine and very few people knew about it It's a, it's a home you know it's a hometown parlor oh, trick right. that he does and <laughs> that kind of thing with prophetic uh meaning and imagery behind it um it's his early stages of his ministry so it's So the readings all reflect that that kind of thing, Uh, all the way to Lent, which is the you know a different a different thing altogether. Yeah, the next. Yeah, but Advent, Christmas, Christmas, and Epiphany are all three together. They're a triad together. You know, Uh, just like uh, Lent and uh, Easter and Epiphany are. I mean, not Epiphany, uh, Pentecost kind of three together as well so
0: once again the, the theme of three the importance of three
1: yeah
0: um beautiful
1: filled it up here huh
0: merry christmas
1: yeah all that
0: happy, <laughs> well yeah happy new year sure
1: 2022 is
0: is upon around us. the corner <laughs> uh yeah thank you man that was thank a, you sir that, that was a good one thank you for uh for listening all you I out appreciate there appreciate you um, all thank you Merry Christmas, I do. I'm gonna give a couple shout outs uh, to people that have been generous and have supported us financially. Uh, my friend, Maisie, um, Teresa, and uh, Kirsten have all guys. in different ways given given to us. Um, thank you to the Morrisons for these new fancy, I don't know, what are they called? They're not called spit cards. I'm not
1: called? sure what they're called, fuzzies
0: fuzzies to cover up the mics um yeah and thank you to anyone that has uh, taken the time to download or listen to even one of our podcasts it's, yeah, it's very humbling so much. um we're coming up well by the time this is posted we'll be over one year of posting but um we're coming up on we're a few weeks away of our first first anniversary and we already have over 2500 downloads for the year so we'll have some more so uh yeah, what you hear in the background? That's uh, once again monk drums. Thank you, thank you, J- Jacob Nedit, Nedia. Uh, I'm falling over my words. Um, the Ruin.com. If you want to learn more about um, Desert Rain as a community, you can go there. Uh, pod. and um, we will this. Uh, we will be relaunching the Road to Desert Rain series in 2022, um, and, and maybe some other other shows that are in the works and in the discussion, but I, I'm not gonna announce them here yet. Um, do you have anything? No, I'm just very
1: appreciative of everyone. Cool, man. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a wrap.
1: Thank you. <laughs>